It's happening, readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I'm delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. We're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks. <laughs> You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 287, and today we are talking about books being released on November 24th, 2020, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Patricia Elsie Tuttle, and we're coming to you from BookRiot.com. Patricia, hello! Hey, hey! Did you ever do that thing when you were a kid where you, like, asked your mom if your friend could stay over in front of your mom so that, like, your mom didn't yes. feel like she could say no? Or, like, you know, they say, like, you should take somebody out in public if you have to tell them something bad so, like, maybe they won't freak out at you? Yeah, you wanted both uh, witnesses and accountability. And <laughs> right. This is all to say that I wanted to tell you, Patricia, that I pounded a Red Bull, like, right before I started this phone call. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. I was like, should I tell her before we start talking or after? <laughs> I try not to drink Red Bull, but... It's been a week. <laughs> I haven't had Red Bull in ages. Isn't it like neon color? Am I remembering? I don't know. I drink it out of the can, which is not see-through, so I honestly couldn't tell you what color it is. Now that you say that, like, I really don't think I know what color it is. I mean, I, I get the impression that it's light colored, but you could be right. I don't know. Yeah, if I if I remember correctly, it's some, like, unnatural color. Like, is this uranium? Like, what is going on? Yeah. Probably. Now I'm worried. It could have spider legs in it and I wouldn't know. I've never actually looked at it. I should probably look at it. Maybe not. <sighs> Maybe ignorance is bliss. <laughs> That's true. I call it my Zumi juice. <laughs> Zumi juice. Oh, God. Yep. So last night was the National Book Awards. Yes. And I'm just going to say that back on January 28th, when Interior Chinatown came out by Charles Yu, I said, this book is amazing. And I think it's going to win awards. And boom, won the NBA for fiction. Yeah, I remember because that was an episode I recorded with you. That was your first show. And you were talking yeah. about that book. And I was like, ooh, I should read that book. I was feeling pretty good about myself last night when he won. I was very excited. Very, very excited for him. He's so awesome. Very funny guy. What else do we have to talk about? I've been spending a lot of money because I've been decorating my office with stickers. That's like what I really wanted to do is apparently my um, midlife crisis is that I want my office to look like a college dorm. Uh, so I've been spending a ton of money on stickers and I actually did some math and I've spent more on books this year than I ever have before. My accountant is going to brain me. And so just this morning I was like, okay, that's it. I can't buy any more books for the rest of the year. And like five minutes later, there's an email from one of my local indies and it's like 20% off for members this weekend. I was like, no. <laughs> So that went out the window. And and I've been trying to drag you down with me. Yeah, well, I've... I'm, like sending you links. <laughs> I, well, yeah. Oh, the links to the stickers. But this year I have been... My bookstore at the end of our block, basically, 
we have a bookstore at the end of our block. Nice. And it's a little indie bookstore. And they, since uh, the pandemic shut down back in March, they haven't opened back up, but they will take orders via email and then we can go pick them up. So I have ordered so many books from them. And they now know not only me by name, but if my wife gets the books, they're like, oh, that's Patricia's wife. (laughs) She's here for (laughs) Patricia's books. But it's really great because I'm like, I want books on ice cream. I want these specific books. And what do you have on your used shelves? And so I'm just like buying tons of books. A bunch of people are getting books for holidays this year, as usual. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, lots of books, lots of sticker purchasing. Oh, I love stickers. Um, (laughs) I love stickers so much. Yeah. Like, I realize I am an adult woman and (laughs) stickers. Yeah, exactly. So I've covered, I covered two walls in my office with stickers that I already had in my house. And now I've been working on like filling up the other ones. I'm jealous. Other stickers. I'm jealous. It's really fun. I like to buy stickers. I like to buy everything. Uh, I'd like to shout out to the few people that contacted me to let me know that the Larry Bird Funko was on sale. I almost told you about that. at Hot Topic. I already have one, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, I already have it because I buy everything. I got an ad for it and I was like, oh, I need to tell Liberty. Yeah. I actually, I actually own two. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, I need one to keep in the box. Yeah. And then one to like put out where I can see it. Totally. Yeah. So oh, that's why I like talking to you because we have so much in common. We really do. I have, I'm looking straight across my living room right now at my Pee Wee Herman Funko. So <gasps> very nice. I don't have one of those. I do have a little conky wind up toy from when I was a kid. <gasps> Still. Oh, I had that toy. Yeah, toys are fun. These are the things that make me happy right now uh, in 2020. And that's okay. Well, I try to like live a life where if I got in a time machine right now and I went back and visited like 10 year old Patricia, I want her to think that I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this is definitely what I would have wanted my room to look like if I'd had my own room when I was a child. You know, like I'm completely doing everything that I would have wanted to do, you know? My husband's like, put stickers on the wall. That's fine. You're taking them down. I'm like, deal. That's a deal. <laughs> Done. Wow, we've been talking about toys and stickers. I could talk about them for like hours. Is this show about books? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> this is, yes, it's about books. So it is the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. There are actually some books coming out this week, which is unusual. Because of the pandemic, as I've mentioned several times, the dates for a lot of things got moved. So there are a lot of books coming out in November that weren't going to be coming out originally. And also, it's very unusual for an election year. Like, usually there's, like, nothing in November. But, I mean, you have, like, the sequel to Ready Player One, if that's something that excites you. That's coming out today. Uh, And there are a few books. Not a lot, but there are a few. And we're going to talk about them after our first sponsor. It's happening, readers. We have heard that you want paperbacks from our tailored book recommendation service called TBR. And I am delighted to let you know that we're going to be in sync with your request. That's right. 
we're bringing paperbacks. Whether you hate carrying around bulky hardcovers, you're on a budget, you want a wider range of recommendations, or all of the above, now you can get a paperback subscription from TBR curated just for you by one of our bibliologists. Get all the details at mytbr.co. That's mytbr.co. We're bringing paperbacks. Okay. I am going to kick it off with this book that I love so, so much. It is Princess Floralinda and the 40 Flight Tower by Tamsin Muir. That's right. Tamsin Muir, author of Gideon the Ninth, Harrow the Ninth. She has two books this year, Harrow and this one. It is like a grown-up fairy tale, and it's so much fun. It's so sarcastic and scary and full of adventure. At the beginning of this book, Princess Florlinda, all we know is that she's a princess, her family is royalty, a witch has taken her and put her in a tower. And she's like, I don't really think you need to do this. And the witch is like, eh, witches are slave to instinct. It's what I do. So don't worry about it. You're pretty. The dragons, you know, below, you know, the princes will come and they'll kill the dragon and they'll get you out. It's fun. It's like what I like to do. She's like, oh, but she can't really do anything about it. So now Princess Florlinda is 40 flights above the ground. And she has a bed, and she has food, she has a loaf of bread, and she has a jug of water, and they're self-replenishing. It's magic. So, like, when she drinks them, it replenishes itself. And she's like, I'm not going to be here for long. And here come all these princes on the horses, and then they don't come back out of the castle. And she's waiting, and she's waiting, and she's waiting. And the dragon is making, like, mincemeat out of all these princes. And pretty soon, several days have gone by, and she's not been rescued. And so... She's like, what am I going to do? She decides, I'm going to have to save myself. What she doesn't know until she leaves her room is that on each floor of this tower is some kind of big bad, some kind of scary, monstery thing. So she's like, eh, all right, I'm going to figure out a way to get my door open and I'm going to leave. So she gets her door open and she goes on one flight and there are goblins and ooh, they're mean and she has a horrible time and she ends up back up in her room and she's like, ah, goblins. And she's trying to figure out how she's going to fight these goblins when there's a big storm and it blows a fairy in through her window. She's like, a fairy, I'm going to wish my way out of this. But no luck, this fairy is named Cobweb and she's beautiful and she's just like Tinkerbell, the way she's described, she's little, but she has wings not like a butterfly, but like a dragonfly. But one of her wings is damaged because of the storm. And so she can't fly. So now she's stuck up in this room with Princess Floralinda. And Cobweb is cranky. And she's surly. And she doesn't like Floralinda. And she's mad. And she, but she doesn't know what else to do. And so together, they're going to brainstorm a way to get down to the bottom of the tower. And like, they're going to have to fight things like giant spiders, night boars, devil bears, biting fishes. It's so much fun. It's like an adult paperback princess is, is how I've been describing it, which is something that is amazing. And if you haven't read Paperback Princess, that was like my favorite kid's book when I was little. Very, very good. 40th anniversary of this year. So the thing about this book I want to let you know is that this is being issued by Subterranean Press. Subterranean Press is a boutique press. They offer limited editions of books. So you could get a $300 copy of this which is lettered and signed. However, those are already sold out. But as of this recording, I looked, it's a $40 hardcover and it comes numbered and signed. And they did still have some left when I looked into this. And yes, it's a $40 hardcover, but it's for collectors. They do offer a much less expensive digital version, I believe, uh, if that's what you're looking for. 
for me, you know, I I absolutely love Tamsin Muir, huge fan, and I read a galley of this, and I immediately ordered myself assigned a numbered copy because because I'm very lucky, and that's what I wanted. But it's so fantastic and so funny. So again, it is called Princess Flora Linda and the Forty Flight Tower by Tamsin Muir. That sounds amazing, and I'm shocked. This is the first time I'm hearing about it, so now I need to scramble and get a copy. Yeah, well, they're a really small indie press, and like I said, they do these boutique limited edition books, and some they'll do like a, a short story, you know, a bound short story from you know Joe Lansdale or or another famous sci-fi author or something. And I'm I'm very intrigued in like how it works because they have some huge names. That they get, like, uh, Kat Valente has one with them, uh, John Scalzi. And I'm like, how do they get these exclusively to do this? I don't know, but it's pretty cool. Huh, thanks. For my first book, it is a book that actually comes out today. It is Barely Functional Adult, It'll All Make Sense Eventually by Mechi Ng. This book is by the creator of the webcomic of the same name, Barely Functional Adult. It's drawings and a couple of photographs along with some prose. It gives me major Allie Broche's hyperbole and a half vibes. This book is so funny. Like, so, so funny. I was reading in bed and kept guffawing out loud and had to put it down because my poor wife was trying to sleep and I'm braying like a donkey because this book is hilarious. This book is also sweet and heartfelt, and I just really enjoyed it so much. The protagonist is this little gender-free bean of a person who looks like they're always wearing some kind of hoodie, cocoon, snuggy situation, and it's super cute. Through them, we get incredibly relatable stories about life in your 20s, that time where a lot of us are floating about after college trying to figure out who we are, who we are in relation to other people, what we want to do for work, making friends as an adult, going to therapy for the first time, and so much more. Honestly, I'm 41. I'm still trying to figure out who I am and what I want to do for work. So still super relatable book. We explore life with this character through their first major breakup and the ex that they just can't get out of their mind and how they eventually found closure. It's both heartbreaking and funny. All the while I was reading it, I was just like, Ugh, I remember that point in my life. Ugh. And it's just, it's so helpful sometimes to read things where you could just be like, yes, me too. One of the stories I especially enjoyed was about learning that what they got their degree in in college is not what they wanted to do for work. And then the big question of, okay, if not that, then what? And like many of us, they didn't have an answer. I think this story, again, is so important because many of us have gone through that or are going through that, and it can feel like we're the only one it's happening to, and this story is like, no, this is normal, this happens to people. There is one particular story, I think, that is worth the price of the entire book, and that is the story of going to therapy for the first time and the process up to that. Like, filling out the intake form, why can't I check multiple boxes, <laughs> and actually making the appointment. But then after making the appointment, 
realizing, oh, I actually have to talk to someone about these things I desperately just want to keep tucked away. The metaphors the author uses, not only in this story, but throughout the book, are absolutely perfect. I really, really love this. I've already bought it as a gift for a couple of people this holiday season. It's Barely Functional Adult. It'll all make sense eventually by Mechi Ng. I have that. I can have that. I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah, major Ali Broche vibes. Like, so good. So my next book is also illustrated. It's called What Cats Want, an illustrated guide for truly understanding your cat by Yuki Hattori. Now, this comes with the caveat that all cats are different and these aren't going to fit every cat. I mean, just reading this, I'm like, well, one of my cats like the likes this, but one doesn't. And, you know, I have three cats and they're all so very different. But this book is really cute and it has some tips, like has 10 basic rules for understanding cats. It talks about cat's sight, smell, and taste. Did you know like when you see your cat like holding its mouth open, it actually has something in the roof of its mouth called a flemin and it can actually like taste, sort of taste and smell with it. Whenever yeah. I see my cat doing that, I always say, Fleming, it's Wednesday. But anyway, <laughs> it talks about their whiskers, their tongues, like all those little barbs on their tongues. One of my cats, oh, he loves to lick me right on the eyelid with his really rough tongue. That like, I'm like, oh, it talks about why their noses are wet, what their body language means, what their meows mean, what their tail language means. Good weight for your cats. And when they have hairballs, when they get the zoomies. You know, like when they race around, you're like, what is happening? And they're like, I just drank mom's Red Bull. It's like they go crazy, run around. They talk about healthcare. This is like, ha, 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 ha. You know, the, you know, the book is like, oh, you should be clipping your cat's nails and brushing their teeth and brushing their fur. And it's like, yeah, but I also, you know, want to sleep through the night without a cat putting a pillow over my face. You know, two of my cats let me clip their nails. The other one does not. It's just, you know, so every cat is different. It also talks about exercise for your cats, household hazards like plants and various things that you have in your that you have in your house. So when I got the when I got the two kittens, we had this plant up on a shelf called a lipstick plant. It was like this long greenery with these little tiny, very thin purple flowers. And our other cats never bothered it, but like the kittens were like, "Yeah, I want to pull that down." And I was like, "I think we need to get rid of this." So I looked it up, and it's like a lipstick plant if eaten by cats. Could make them vomit, could give them bathroom troubles, and would will make them lethargic. It mimics poisoning. And I was like, hmm, that kind of sounds like poisoning. Like, if that's just mimicking the effects of poison, you know, like, I would hate to see what happens if they, like, it wasn't. It just seems so ridiculous. So out that plant went. Um, they also have tips for moving, what to do with older cats. And as I said at the beginning, this is not for every cat. Like, these rules don't apply to every cat. And Obviously, check with your vet, as they say at the beginning, before you change anything in your cat's diet or do anything with your cat you want to check. It's just a cute little book about, like, things you might not know. You might want to give it to somebody who just got a cat or, you know, maybe you're like, oh, my cat's older. I want to read some things about older cats. It's really fun. It's a cute little gift book. It's called What Cats Want, an Illustrated Guide for Truly Understanding Your Cat by Yuki Hattori. My next book is Escape Pod, the science fiction anthology, edited by Murr Lafferty and S.B. Divya. This book actually came out last month, back in October. It feels like too long since I've read short stories, much less short science, science fiction, and this book was a balm for my soul. Escape Pod is a science fiction podcast that has been going on for 15 years as of this year. 
The list of authors who have stories in this anthology makes my head spin. N.K. Jemison, Corey Doctorow, Ken Liu, Sarah Gailey, John Scalzi, the list goes on. And it's rare that I say this, but every single story in this book was outstanding. I couldn't put it down. I want more. I had forgotten exactly how much I love science fiction and I need to be reading more of it. There are stories that have such remarkable depth, like the time travel story called Citizens of Elsewhen by Cameron Hurley, Ting Kingfisher's story titled Report of Dr. Holomus on the Incident at Jackrabbit 5 had me in tears of laughter, actual tears. One of the stories that I really need to see if there are sequels or larger works is Tim Pratt's A Princess of Nice Space. It starts off like a rocket. Our protagonist comes home to find a business card stuck in their door with the tagline, We Murder Problems! And then it's just a wild ride for multiple pages. Such a fantastic story. Some of the stories really push the boundaries of science fiction as they bleed over into fantasy, such as Tiger Lawyer Gets It Right by Sarah Gailey and A Confederation of Trees by Beth Cato. The latter blew my freaking mind. I read this book over a month ago, and I'm still thinking about this one story by Beth Cato. The stories in this book are all over the place, and it just shows how diverse science fiction can be. A Child Who Desperately Wants a Teddy Bear Spider, Jurassic Park, but instead of dinosaurs, androids are trying to bring back the most dangerous creatures that ever existed, Orphan Children Who Are Very, Very Smart Think, Charles Dickens and Ad Automatons, and even Dragons, Yes Dragons, and one of my absolute favorites, Theater Kids in Space. This book was so much fun. It's Escape Pod, the science fiction anthology edited by Murray Lafferty and S.B. Divya. Well, now I need that. Now I need that like right now. Yeah, please do because it is a delight. Nice. All right. My next pick. Well, it's actually two picks that I just started reading today because I was planning on talking about a book that came out today called Stuff You Should Know. It's supposed to come out today. And I was like, I'm going to read this for the show. But when I went to open it, the file wouldn't open. So I could not read Stuff You Should Know, which seems like a metaphor for my life this year. So instead, I had to pick some other books. And one of them, like I said, I just started both of these. It's called Ruin Song, and it comes out today. It's by Julia Ember. It's a YA fantasy novel set in the Queendom of Bordea. It's being ruled by an evil queen. She has ascended illegally, like stolen the throne, and she kills and tortures anybody who oppose her. She silences people. And there are two types of people that live in this kingdom. There are nobles and mages. The mages can do magic. And the two main characters are Cadence. She can do magic. She's a mage. She can do magic with her voice. And she is the queen's principal singer. The queen uses her to basically flex her power. Uh, And twice a year, she brings all the nobles to this theater. And she basically has Cadence torture them. Like her singing can make them feel like they're drowning, can make them feel like their feet are on fire. And Cadence is terrified and she hates doing this, but she can't stand up to the queen because the queen doesn't just do terrible things to her. But like the last time she disobeyed her, she murdered her cat, which is just awful. And the other main character is Remy, who is a noble 
And a long time ago, when Remy and Cadence were very young, uh, they used to encounter each other at the palace all the time, and they became best friends. And then Cadence was taken away to train her voice, and Remy was very sad and didn't see her anymore. And now they're 16, and Remy is part of this underground rebellion who are planning to throw over the evil queen. And she's furious at Cadence for participating in these horrible exhibits. Uh, but she doesn't know, like, you know, Cadence hates doing it and all the stuff that's going on behind. And that's basically where I am right now is they've just had a new exhibit and Remy's realized that Cadence is the person behind it. I was looking at Goodreads and someone called this a queer Phantom of the Opera. However, I have not read nor seen Phantom of the Opera, so I can neither confirm nor deny. But I'm going to continue reading it and I will let you know how that goes. That one's called Ruin Song by Julia Ember. And I also started this other book that came out in July that I'm really enjoying. It's called Once Upon a Time I Lived on Mars, Space, Exploration, and Life on Earth by Kate Green. Basically, it's this memoir about how in 2013, Kate Green was part of this analog study where she went to Hawaii with five other people and lived in a dome on top of this red rock volcano, and they pretended that they were on Mars. And for four months, they did everything that they would do if they were in Mars. They went outside in suits. There was like an email delay, communications delay, and they had to stay inside. And it was, it's so fascinating. Basically, this idea was thought up uh, by this other scientist who herself was part of an Arctic expedition where she stayed in this dome where they pretended that they were on Mars and they were trying to figure out like livable conditions and how people get along inside a dome for so many months. And one of the people that she was with got very homesick and they made him poutine out of like all the dried powder stuff that they could find. And it kind of cheered him up. And she started thinking about food because she had read that astronauts who live on space stations, as time goes on, they eat less and they lose weight. And that makes them more susceptible to injury and getting sick. And it's because they think they're tired of eating the same food, the same prepackaged stuff the whole time that they're there. So she started this test in Hawaii to figure out what it would be like if the people in the space station could make their own food and if they were allowed like certain days of the week where they could make whatever they want like but they, they, they can cook for themselves and then you know on like their cheat day they make like nachos or lasagna and also find out like what foods last and then the people in the space station have to keep an intricate journal every day of like what they felt like eating what they tasted how their taste buds are reacting after so many months, what their appetite was like, what they're smelling. It was so far, or I should say it is so fascinating. I'm like 100 pages into it. I thought, I think it's like really interesting. I also think I would do really well. I don't think I would hold up in a crisis, but I think I would do really well in a dome. Like I could just sit there with a book. And I've always thought that I'd do really good at that. So maybe like next time they need somebody to pretend they're on Mars, I could do it. But this one is called Once Upon a Time I Lived on Mars, Space Exploration and Life on Earth by Kate Green. I mean, with the lockdown, I'm kind of just pretending I'm on Mars right now. Well, that's what it kind of feels like. But I remember watching this ridiculous movie many years ago called Rocket Man, I think, where they send this like really silly, like unqualified guy to space. And one of the tests is like they lock him in a room by himself for a long period of time and he's totally fine and i was like i could do that <laughs> i could do that totally give me a book i would be fine i come out so i don't know it is kind of like lockdown but this is just so interesting you know like i would i would totally love to pretend i was on mars i think before we hear about your next book we're going to hear from a sponsor 
Okay. What do you got next? Okay. My next pick is Seance Tea Party by Rebana Yi. Full disclosure. If you didn't already catch this by our conversation at the beginning of this show about, you know, stickers and Funkos, I think that growing up is a trap. Adulthood is for fools. (laughs) I refuse to watch the third and fourth Toy Story movies because I know they'll make me upset on a spiritual level. I am not, of course, full on Peter Pan syndrome, but the TLDR is that stories about kids growing up and leaving behind kids stuff usually makes me very emotional. So yes, I definitely cried reading Seance Tea Party by Remina Yi, even though it's a middle grade graphic novel. And like I said, or maybe I didn't say, this book actually came out back in September. The illustrations are super sweet and the palette is absolutely stunning. Our first protagonist is Laura. She is 12 and has a vivid imagination. She loves to ride her bike and play make-believe and jump into piles of leaves and read and swing and just play. And her friends do too at first. Well, like at first they did, especially her best friend Bobby. But then Bobby has started to hang out with some other guys and the kids at Laura's school are more interested in social media and crushes and podcasts and TV shows, things that aren't really just playing. It's clear that Laura feels left behind, but she has no interest in wanting to catch up. Laura is interested in cryptids and magic and the supernatural, and she decides to have a seance and a tea party a seance tea party. So she creates her own Ouija board situation and voila, a ghost talks back and then appears. The ghost is named Alexa and she is the ghost of a 14-year-old girl. As you can imagine, Alexa and Laura become best friends. Alexa can make herself somewhat corporeal so they can dance together and play She is Laura's real-ish imaginary friend, and one who won't ignore Laura's games to look at the internet or celebrities and magazines like Laura's other friends. This is, again, a middle-grade book, so there's nothing nefarious. Content warning for a chronically ill child who dies. This book is for all of us who still hold on to that little bit of magic and whimsy and cherish it in the people that we allow into our circles. It was really, really lovely. I liked it. Highly recommend Seance Tea Party by Rimana Yi. Well, awesome, because my last pick today is also a middle grade graphic novel. It came out in August. I just picked it up a couple weeks ago, and I loved it. It's called Beetle and the Hollow Bones by Eliza Lane. It's about a 12-year-old goblin named Beetle. She lives with her gran. She is being homeschooled. Her gran knows a lot of magic and she's teaching her things like how to fly her broom. And she drops her off at the mall at the beginning of the book. Beetle's going to go to the mall. Like malls still exist in this goblin world, apparently. And while she's playing in the mall, she accidentally summons a ghost. This is so, I feel like I'm talking about your book now, almost. <laughs> but she, she summons this like orange blob ghost, which is basically how it's described in the book. And it becomes Beetle's best friend. Like Orange Blob Ghost and Beetle, they hang out, they do things in the mall. And then one day, Beetle's old friend, Cat, who's like this skeleton cat looking person. And it's awesome. I want to look like her. She like looks like a skeleton, but like with cat features, it's great. 
she returns. She's been away, and she comes back to town, and Beetle's very excited. Cat has an evil aunt. She's very powerful. She has a lot of magic. And it turns out that first they discover that orange blob ghosts cannot leave the mall. There's something keeping blob ghosts at the mall. And so they have to go there to visit the ghost. And then they learn that Cat's evil aunt has bought the mall and is going to tear it down. And what's going to happen to blob ghost when she does that? So they start looking around the mall. They find all these, like, caverns and staircases underneath the mall. And they're trying to figure out, like, what is keeping Blob Ghost there? And what is Cat's aunt really up to? And is Cat going to stand up to her aunt and do the right thing and help Blob Ghost? It's really fun. Also, I really like saying Blob Ghost. Blob Ghost, Blob Ghost. It's been really fun saying that. But it's so adorable. The, the illustrations are really bright and colorful. And I absolutely loved it. It's called Beetle. And the Hollow Bones by Eliza Lane. That sounds so adorable. Blob Ghost. Blob Ghost. See, it's fun to say. <laughs> um, in like 10 years, in like 10 years, we're going to be talking and we're just going to be like, Blob Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> For my last book, I have What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat by Aubrey Gordon, creator of Your Fat Friend. This book actually came out last week and automatically made it onto my list of nonfiction books that came out this year that everyone must read, whether you're thin, fat, straight size, plus size. If you are a human who has a body and lives in a society, then I really recommend you read this book. Lots of content warnings. Discussion of graphic catcalling and sexual harassment, anti-fatness from microaggressions to outright active aggression, discussion of eating disorders and disordered eating, death related to anti-fatness, use of the word obese, though it is used sparingly and often in quotes. The main focus of this book is on fat justice for very fat people. That is, there are people who don't even get basic needs met because they are fat. There is a pay gap between fat and straight-sized people, not to mention anti-fat violence and denial to public spaces. Anti-fatness is the last socially acceptable, and I put that in air quotes, the last socially acceptable way to hate people. Most people are frowned upon for being racist or homophobic, but anti-fatness runs rampant and unchecked. It's fascinating to me that people can acknowledge that Say, medical professionals can be racist, but when presented with the idea that medical professionals can also be anti-fat, all of a sudden everyone's an expert on other people's weight and health. I was already outraged before I read this book, but this book taught me things that made flames shoot from my ears. Just like that scene in Clue where she's like, flames on the side of my face. That's like me reading this whole book. I want to make it clear that this book isn't about wellness, which is really often usually just repackaged health fads. It's not about body positivity and loving the body we're in. It's not even really about body neutrality or fat acceptance or body sovereignty. This is about fat justice, about including the fattest among us in our other movements such as feminism about making sure that fat people have access to basic things like clothing and equal pay and travel accommodations. I really deeply appreciate that early in the book, 
The author gives a glossary of terms because this can all be really new to a lot of people. She talks about what she means when she uses the word fat and the different categories of fat people size-wise. What is healthism? What do people mean when they refer to straight-sized clothing? I love how the author goes in-depth into things like why is BMI a garbage indicator of health? Fun fact, BMI wasn't even created as an indicator of health in the first place. And how there is no solid data actually illustrating that dieting achieves long-term weight loss. In fact, some conditions associated with being fat may actually be long-term effects of dieting. And not gonna lie, I had to set the book down a few times when the author discussed how awful our society is to fat children. My favorite thing, though, is there are so many citations. As a librarian and a person who loves to argue, I love it. Because there are always people who want to argue that being fat is unhealthy. So I'm just going to start handing over copies of this book and tell people to come back to me after they've done their homework. This is What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat by Aubrey Gordon, creator of Your Fat Friend. All right. So those are our new books and our new-ish books and Blob Ghost. Blob Ghost. And it's a good thing that I don't have children because <laughs> it's like, let me introduce you to my son, Blob Ghost. <laughs> Liberty, if you had kids, you'd have to share your stickers. Oh, yeah, I know. That's pretty much why I don't. Yeah. <laughs> Like, don't get me wrong. I should feel, I feel like I should be kind of a grown up and possibly save some of my money, you know, that I work hard for, but you know, stickers. Stickers. <laughs> Blob ghost. All right. What are you going to read next? I'm reading more nonfiction as usual. I'm reading Mediocre The Dangerous Legacy of White Male America by Ijoma Olua, which actually comes out next week. Wow. I can't believe that's already out. Yeah. I feel like we've been waiting for that. I'm very excited to read that one. All right, I am reading a novel on top of those two other books that I already told you about. I'm halfway through it. It's going to be huge next year, so write it down now. It's called Meet Me in Another Life by Catriona Sylvie. It's like the time traveler's wife with shades of Addie LaRue. It's about mm. these two people and their various lives. They keep meeting each other. And, like, one time, like, their boyfriend-girlfriend, one time their father-daughter, one time their professor-student, one time their doctor-patient. They just keep meeting each other. And as the book goes on, they kind of, like, have these, like, feelings of deja vu that, you know, they've met each other before or they know things about each other. It's really good. Really good. And I think that people, like I said, who love The Time Traveler's Wife, they're going to flip their lids for this, and I think it's going to be big. So it is called Meet Me in Another Life by Catriona Silvey. comes out in April, so mark it down now. And that is it for today. That's it. That's it. Thank you to our sponsors. We should have sticker sponsors, too. Maybe we could do that. <gasps> is that a possible? Is that possible? Yeah. We should, maybe this, like today, they'll be like, those people like stickers a lot. <laughs> Yo, dog, I heard you like stickers. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of awesome people, were we talking about awesome people? We were talking about awesome stickers. But speaking of awesome people, thank you to our audio editor, Jen Zink. If you want to talk to us about stickers, you can reach us at all the books at bookriot.com. You can also find us online. Patricia hangs out on Twitter and Instagram at the info file. That's the I N F O P H I L E. 
I mostly hang out on Instagram at Franzen Comes Alive. I just want to point out again, since they just announced that Jonathan Franzen has a new book out, that if I could go back and redo it, I might not name my blog Franzen Comes Alive. People think I named it that because I'm a huge Jonathan Franzen fan. I'm sort of neutral on Jonathan Franzen. I just thought it would be like Peter Frampton's album, plus, you know, something that says books rock. So Franzen comes alive. There you go. <laughs> it's because I was born in the 70s and everyone's like, who's Peter Frampton? Anyway. Aww. So if you would like to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time. But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading. reading.